We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, let's get it rolling here on Field of 68 After Dark on a Friday night. I'm John Fanta. Sean Paul is with us. Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney is with us. Whether you want to know about how St. Bonaventure came back against Clemson today, or if you want to know about Maryland Eastern Shore beating Fordham, we have you covered for the next hour. We've got Marquette standout and the new public enemy to any opponent, Mr. Grit, Tyler Kolick, is joining us at 11.15 Eastern time to break down the Golden Eagles' 5-0 and start to the season, what he listens to before and after games, and his grandma. Yeah, that's coming. But gentlemen, let's get right into it. We have a huge weekend on tap. We have a huge Saturday on tap because tomorrow Villanova will take on Tennessee. North Carolina meets Purdue. Hall of Fame tip-off. Mohegan Sun. Big slate. But I'll start with this. Sean Paul, I'm going to tee you up. Your Friday headline is... I'm going to say Marquette beating West Virginia. I think that's a pretty good headline. And it's not just that they beat West Virginia. They continue to win games in impressive ways. Like today, they didn't turn. They didn't get a ton of turnovers. They didn't get like 26 like they had against Illinois. And they were able to make shots with players not named Daryl Morcel, which was pretty impressive to me. Morcel didn't have his best game. But Cam Jones, a three-star recruit, came in, knocked down threes. That was big time. Justin Lewis, a sophomore, has already made more threes this season than he made last year. And one thing to remember is that they didn't have Greg Elliott, who started last year. They didn't have him for the first three games of the season. He's now back. He should be a solid contributor for Marquette. But I was wrong on the Golden Eagles. I didn't think that they'd be an NCAA tournament-level team, but they will. Tyler Kolick, a great point guard, set up some of the shooters for some great looks. This is a very good Marquette team, and Shaka Smart is doing an outstanding job in year one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing I would say about this group is they just they just kind of have this never-say-die attitude. You know, they trailed in this West Virginia game. They trailed multiple times, you know, Monday at Illinois, a game that – uh, you know, John and I were both that. I mean, this 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 was a ball game where multiple times it just felt like Illinois was ready to pull away. Illinois was ready to pull away, and partially the, the, the Marquette fan base kept them in the game. But this group just does not go away. They have multiple guys who can come in and, and make big plays. For the last two days, it's been Cam Jones. Obviously, Marcel was critical uh, in the win against Illinois earlier this week. You know, they've been tested this week. You know, I think we knew we would learn a lot about this Marquette team, and I think. You know, the biggest thing is that you know, these guys fight. And some days they're not going to force 26 turnovers like they did against Illinois. 
but you know, they're going to find a way to win ball games. And now they get another great opportunity coming up Sunday against St. Bonaventure. Tonight, they hit a dozen threes, Tyler Kolek. And the revelation in this game is Cam Jones. I saw him in the preseason at practice. Shaka Smart said, look, this kid's going to help us uh, in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes with freshmen, there's a come-and-go nature to it. The fact of the matter is this. Marquette the game tonight in which it wasn't always Marcel or Lewis. And that's what should be so encouraging. In a matter of, let's see here, five days, five days, this team has racked up non-conference wins over Illinois, Ole Miss, and tonight West Virginia. And they haven't done it in one way. For a team that was picked ninth in the Big East, to be able to play in different ways, speaks volumes about their coach. And the fact is, I was talking with uh, Mike Broker, who is the Marquette men's basketball administrator in the preseason. Mike does a, does a really nice job at Marquette. And Mike said to me, we are benefiting at Marquette because Shaka Smart, Kevin, are you laughing? <laughs> Continue on, sir. Continue on, sir. The chat is active right now. Well, we just got you to do that. I think Rob Dawson just won 100 bucks. <laughs> Mike Broker just, he said to me, he goes, we are benefiting at Marquette because we're getting Shaka Smart on a redemption tour. We're getting a motivated Shaka Smart. And, and you're getting a Shaka Smart who, who already is a really good coach, but got counted out, had a really bad night against Corpus Christi, a night to forget, and now takes this job in kind of this – I'm going to prove doubters wrong and I can get my fit of players here because people are synonymous with the big East because it's not the five-star prospect comes in one and done, you know, highly sexy player. You know, you're not seeing Paulo Bancaro walk into the big East. You're not seeing that type of play. You're seeing three and four year players who develop, who fans become synonymous with, and that's how they win games. Marquette has a DNA. They're going to press you. You're going to have to win the game on their terms. This feels like the happy medium between VCU and Texas. You know why? Because it is. And here's what Shaka Smart has going for him, too, at Marquette. There is no football. He's king of the hill there. And they spend money like a football school on basketball. They spend money like a football school on basketball, Kevin. Yeah, and, and let me add this. You, you, you said kind of Shaka's got a lot to prove here. I think a lot of these guys on this roster, they're dudes that just like Shaka have a lot to prove. You know, a guy like Daryl Morcel needed to prove to the NBA that he could score at a, at, an, at a pro level. You know, that was the big knock was he wasn't a polished enough scorer. He certainly answered a lot of those questions. A guy like Kirk Weth, you know, he was you know, in and out of the rotation in Oklahoma, was a good defender. He has really stepped up and brought them tremendous energy. You know, a guy like Kolek, he wants to prove that he could play at the Big East level. He didn't get those offers out of high school. You know, he was in the Atlantic 10. He had a good year. There were still the questions. Is he athletic enough? Is he a point guard? Here he is playing at a super, super high level. So I just think this team really embodies what Shaka wants out of a group. And because of that, everyone is so bought in. And that's why they've been able to find a way to win these close games. You know, hold, hold the phone for a second. CBB Wagers is in the comments right now and says, let's see them make the tournament force before I crown him king. Let's make one thing clear, CBB wagers. Nobody's crowning him king. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? He's got the program going in the right direction. The fact is, 
The Steve Wojciechowski era at Marquette University was a failure. But the fact is, in the last decade, people might not realize this, Marquette's gone to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament three times. We're not saying that they're going there this year, but we're saying we expected nothing from Marquette this season. They have three power conference wins in five days. You can both understand that it's only November while saying Marquette is the biggest surprise in college basketball thus far. Are they not, Sean? They definitely are. I mean, like I said, I was wrong on them. And here's the thing. It's not it's they've been underdogs in every single power conference game they've won. They were three and a half point underdogs against Ole Miss. Uh, They were five point underdogs against West Virginia and eight and a half point underdogs against Illinois. They were not supposed to win these games, but they did win these games and they were down against Ole Miss. They were down against Illinois and they were down against West Virginia and they were able to come back in all of them. And here's my thing on Shaka Smart. If he made, like you said, if he makes a tournament at Marquette this year, the fan base will love him. But at Texas, he made the tournament three times, and he would have made it probably a fourth the year that COVID canceled the season. If he's making the tournament four to six years, you sprinkle in a couple of tournament wins in there potentially, the fan base will love him. Maybe that doesn't work at Texas, but it'll work at Marquette. Jay Turn says, let's see Duke and Kentucky make the tournament before we crown him. Okay. You know, again, nobody's getting crowned. Nobody's getting crowned right now, although, um, you know. Crown Drew Timmy National Player of the Year. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. You can crown Drew Timmy National Player of the Year. Was it who beat Colorado tonight? Southern Southern Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, we'll crown Southern Illinois tonight. We'll crown Southern Illinois. We will take the crown off the Pac-12 that they wore last March. That that crown has been taken off. We'll get to that later in the hour. But, But, folks, like, again, You know, this is the time of year in which you make your hay for the big dance. You're not making your hay in January. If you go one and one in your league in a week, you know, unless you're losing to the bottom team, you're not really getting that harmed. You're also not helping yourself. We go into championship week often and we say, they are right on the bubble. They need to win this game. From what we know, the committee has their minds made up pretty much on Friday of what they want to do with the field. If you're waiting until that Saturday or Sunday to make your decision on a team, guys, this is a marathon. This is a marathon. And by beating Illinois, by beating Ole Miss, by beating West Virginia, now by playing St. Bonaventure, we're going to get to them in a second on Sunday. If you win that game, You're going to be ranked on Monday. You're going to have four quality wins in a week. And you don't have to go any worse than 500 in your league because your league right now is collectively 34 and four on the season. 34 and four is what the Big East is at. So so that's the breakdown of Marquette. They they get it done here tonight over West Virginia. Um, I thought that guys that West Virginia in this game defensively really struggled in the second half. They could not guard Kolick in the lane. They let him they let him pick them apart. That was not a Bob Huggins defense shot. No, they were going into the lane and trying to stop Kolick on a drive a lot of times and kick it out to a shooter for a good look. And any time as a defense, that could kill you. For sure. All right, St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure's down to Clemson. And, and looking like they're they're going to take a bad punch. You know, a, a, an opportunity for the Bonnies today where you got you to gotta cash in and you've got to be able to, to get this win. 
we're going to get to St. Bonaventure right after this. But first, while we've talked Marquette, the Golden Eagles advancing to the Charleston Classic title game, let's go to the conversation that I had earlier, a one-on-one that you cannot miss with Marquette's leader. He's only a sophomore, but this kid is beyond his years. And he played big time tonight. It's Tyler Kolek of the Golden Eagles. 18 points, eight assists, six boards for Tyler Kolick, who helps lead Marquette to the win over West Virginia. Golden Eagles will play for the Charleston Classic Championship on Sunday against number 22, St. Bonaventure. Pleased to be joined with Tyler now. And Tyler, another night where you're facing adversity in this game, a different form because you fall behind early. What changed in the second half that allowed you to not only come back, but beat West Virginia by double digits? Yeah, we started on the defensive end. I mean, you know, the first half, I think they scored 45 points on pace for 90. I mean, that's that's kind of unacceptable uh, with our coaches. You know, with with the group of guys we have, we, we got a lot of pride. And, you know, we kind of we kind of said to ourselves, you know, that, that wasn't good enough. So we had to buckle down. I think we got the first nine stops in the first uh, at the start of the second half. And, you know, that really changed the game for us. For you, we know that you've got the hot hand from the perimeter, but to have eight assists, how have you become a better creator under Shaka? Yeah, I mean, they just put me in great spots. And, you know, I got great guys around me. You know, Cam Jones knocking down shot. Justin Lewis really shooting the ball well right now. Uh, Daryl Morcel really shooting the ball well right now. I mean, I got great guys around me. It's not just, you know, me making a spectacular place. You know, the swing one more and they're, they're making a good play. So, I mean, it's just really a team effort. You know, this name right now in terms of energy, I think if we saw the word energy in a dictionary right now, we would see a picture of him. It's Kirk Weth. Like tonight, again, when he comes back in the game in the second half, big time dunk, a play here defensively. What does Kirk Weth mean to your team? Yeah, he really changes the game. I mean, in the first half, we weren't pressuring the ball enough. Uh, and, you know, that's probably partly because he was out. And so we were pressuring the ball. Maybe they drove by and wasn't as much of a uh, presence at the rim. But, you know, in the second half, even if he doesn't block shots, he, he kind of alters the shot and, you know, it makes it harder for the guard or the wing, whoever's going down there to try and make a play. So, I mean, I think it gives me more confidence. I think it gives all the other guys more confidence, you know, to really pressure up on the ball. And, you know, if we do get he's back there to, to beat it up. Tyler, what is going through your mind tonight when down the stretch you've got it in your hands and you've got this game on your side and the We Are Marquette chant is breaking out throughout the building uh, and you're about to, to seal up the win. Yeah, I mean, it was probably about a 75% West Virginia crowd there tonight. Um, but, I mean, once we kind of kind of took control of the game and, you know, they actually messed up the score and then our fans came alive because they messed it up, and that was when we took the lead, actually. So when they put it uh, back up there, we went up by one. Uh, then, you know, our fans kind of came alive right after that, and then, right, and then it felt like a home game right after that. I mean, we were at the free throw line the last – 30 seconds of the game, they're, they're, they're singing uh, Country Roads, everything like that. I mean, it's just, I, I love Marquette fans, even though in the short time I've been here, they, they've been great. Tell us something no one knows about Shaka Smart. No one knows about Shaka Smart. I mean, he's a pretty open guy, but one thing is, is he cares more about his guys than anybody else I've ever been around. I mean, he comes in the locker room and, you know, he's giving us all hugs. He's dancing with us. And I mean, he, he's just a great coach overall and a great guy just to, you know, be a part of our family three rapid fire questions here the first person that texts you in the morning that gives you a motivational message who's that person that you rely on (laughs) my grandma she sends me all these these long paragraphs you know 
you know, how she sends these little emojis. She doesn't really know what they mean. I mean, but, but I love it. I always, she texts me cause she doesn't want to call me. She, she knows I'm busy. So she texts me and then after she texts me, I know I can call her after that. So yeah, it's definitely her. Number two, you can listen to any artist on loop. Who are you listening to? <laughs> I'll probably listen to uh Nat. And number three, if you didn't play basketball, Tyler Kolick, what do you think you would do? Hidden talent, hobby, something? One hidden talent. Uh, I got it. I'm, I'm pretty good at ping pong. Uh, you know, I play some of the guys. Actually, Coach Barry's actually probably the best on the team. Uh, he got me a few times, but I mean, I'd probably be, uh, you know, striving for the uh, Olympics in ping pong. Finally, you get to play for a Feast Week championship on Sunday against St. Bonaventure. What's it like uh, knowing that you get to play for a trophy in just the second week of the season? Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be everything for us. Everybody was counting us out. I think we've been an underdog in every game but two so far. And, you know, we like that. We, we like, you know, not being, not being the, the front runners. We, we want to come be, not come behind, from behind, but, you know, just be overlooked. And, you know, that's kind of what we've embraced so far. I mean, I played the St. Bonaventure last year when I was at George Mason. Uh, we, took, we took a loss there um, at their place. So, you know, it's kind of a little, little revenge game. Tyler Cola, congrats on the win. Good luck on Sunday. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. You know, there's a hashtag on Twitter. It's thank your SID. So thank you, Scott Kuykendall, um, who uses the hashtag often after big games, hashtag emotional and hashtag for the kids. We want to thank Scott for the help with that interview. It's not easy right after a game. You're at a, a neutral site location. He got us Tyler Kolick right in the right from that press room. And uh, we thank Tyler for the time. Uh, and yeah, you know, you guys both brought it up. This is someone who came from George Mason, didn't get recruited by more heavyweight schools out of high school, uh, was pro- was perceived as a guy who was just a mid-major player. Uh, look, that's the best thing that could have ever happen for Marquette because tonight – he is the reason why they won this game. Eight assists, uh, 18 points. They, they kind of, they need that initiator. They need that initiator because Stevie Mitchell's not there yet. And Cam Jones is more of a catch and shoot type of guy. I thought Kolek was great. Let's turn to who Marquette will meet on Sunday night. I don't think anybody could have like thought that this would be our final in this Charleston classic you might have thought St. Bonaventure, and look, they've lived up to it. They found a way today. Had to claw back, guys. They're down at the half, 36-26. to 26. But they hold Clemson to 29 second-half points. Uh, Jaron Holmes was great in this game. Uh, you've got Kyle Lofton with 22 points. He's just a killer. Jersey kid. And Sean Paul, the Bonnies, got it out and will play for a title on Sunday, which is so big for them because – when you're St. Bonaventure, you've got to cash in, not fully knowing what your league's going to be in the A-10. Especially with how the A-10s looked in the non-conference. Dayton losing two games they should never lose. I don't even remember who they lost to. UMass Lowell was one of them. Lipscomb. Lost... Who? Lipscomb. Oh, right. Okay. So two games they should never lose. And VCU, their offense is a complete disaster because of the injuries. So it's going to take. It's not going to be a very strong conference this season, and they've been able to be very good. And their biggest, the biggest reason that people were in on them, including myself, was the experience. These guys have played together for a long time. They're starting five seniors. Kyle Lofton's a great point guard. They have shooters with Welch and Holmes. They have Jalen Attaway who can shoot the ball a little bit and play some defense. And Osan Oshuna, he's one of the best defenders in the country. There's a lot here, the St. Bonaventure team. The bench still hasn't really gotten going. That was a problem last year. They added more talent to the bench. 
They need a guy like Linton Brown or Abdul Kareem Koulibaly to step up a little bit, add some more production, especially against Marquette, who's going to make the game tough. They're going to tire you out, and that could be an issue for St. Bonaventure. They could get tired, and they could turn the ball over a little bit late because they don't have that depth. Yeah, it'll be the it'll be the third game in four days for them. You know, their starters played today 40, 38, 37, 37, and 36 minutes. That includes 37 for Oshuni, their center, who has been banged up. He had a back issue against Canisius that, you know, they were hopeful they'd get three games out of him this weekend. They weren't 100% sure. So, you know, that's certainly something to watch. They had the, the scrap and claw. And look, you know, this St. Bonaventure team is really, really good. They're extremely well coached for, for Mark Schmidt. They don't have top 25 level talent though, right? They're not going to be able to walk onto the floor and overwhelm you. And I think we've seen them early on in the year kind of play with their food a little bit in the first half and, and struggle in these games. And, and Clemson, the best team they played, really came out today and punched them in the mouth. They shot the ball extremely well in the first half. They executed their offense at a, at a high level and did a good job of pulling Oshuni away from the basket, which you know, gave them some opportunities. They just couldn't close the game when St. Bonaventure turned up the heat. I think, again, that's where you see the experience. These guys have been through so many wars. You know, last year down the stretch to win the Atlantic 10 and get to the NCAA tournament. You know, the year before that, you know, in the COVID year, they were, you know, tremendous. I mean, they, 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 were, they were a team on the rise without a doubt. You know, even, even their freshman year, Kyle Lofton played uh, a ton of minutes as a freshman. Oshuni played big minutes. Dom Welch. I mean, these guys have been together for so long, and, and they've been through games like this together where they know they're never out of a game. And you saw that 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 fight and that toughness. So similar to what we've seen from Marquette really throughout the season of just that, you know, that, that never quit attitude. And that's why the Bonnie stand defeated. But you know, they've got some work to do to live up to that top 25 billing. Uh, but again, when, when you've got experience in college basketball, you know, you have a chance to win close games. And the Bonnie so far have been able to win those close ones. Yeah, this is the, the, the good news for them is they get the gap day, right? Like they're able to take a breather tomorrow in Charleston. They can get themselves collected. The bad news is, is that for this team to be a Sweet 16 Elite 8 caliber team, they've got to develop some level of depth. You can't have your bench at negative 11 on Sunday in the championship game from a plus-minus standpoint. The bench isn't getting anything. And they expected Brown – and Koulibaly to be guys that are going to help them and contribute and add something so that it's not just Oceanee, it's not just Lofton, it's not just Holmes. If you don't have any depth, you know, that's why they got beat by LSU last year. They got beat because Andre Hyatt had a great game. You know, and LSU showed that, they, that they've got different ways that they could skin a cat. St. Bonaventure should be a little bit concerned here because, you know, big picture like, for a team that is ranked in the top 25, for a team that aspires to go deep in the tournament, I don't love here in the, in the here and now that we're seeing, you know, nothing from their bench. But here's the thing. If they find a way on Sunday and they can turn the page and they still have some tests on their non-con, the one benefit to playing in the Atlantic 10 that other power conference teams don't necessarily have is you're going to play some more bottom dwellers so you can try to find some combinations. Like you actually are able to work on yourselves a little more than your prototypical top 25 team. Yes. But on the other hand, you, you set yourself up with a lot of landmines, you know, if you will, on the schedule where, you know, look, you know, is, is this road game they're going to play at Northeastern right before a 10 play, is that game going to help your resume? No. Is, is that game a game where theoretically St. Bonaventure should be able to win by 10 plus and try to work in the bench guys. Yeah, theoretically it is, but 
a Bill Cohen, very well coached team with some talent. You know, that's a team that can beat you right before Christmas. And all of a sudden you've got a bad loss on your ticker. Right. And they'll have that all throughout a 10 play. You know, uh, we've got, you know, we've got a, a road trip to, to UMass, you know, that's not an easy game. UMass is good guards who can shoot it. So, you know, there, there's pluses and minuses to it. I think, again, I think like, like you said, Fanta, I mean, this, this team needs to get something from its bench. I thought Koulibaly in particular was someone you know, coming from Pitt who'd have an impact so far. He's been really up and down. They just need to be able to get, you know, 15 steady minutes from some of these guys off the bench a game, because I don't think it's sustainable to have these guys out there for 37, 38 minutes every single night, especially once you hit the grind. So St. Bonaventure, Marquette, let's make a prediction right now. Sean, who wins this game? I'm going to go Marquette. Like earlier I was thinking St. Bonaventure, but I more so was really impressed by Marquette today. And I think just not being super deep is going to come back and hurt St. Bonaventure in the end because Marquette's going to make it tough. They're going to make you tired. And if St. Bonaventure gets tired and turns the ball over too much late, that's exactly what Marquette wants you to do. That's what they've done this season. And that's what they'll continue to do. So give me Marquette. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Marquette as well. Uh, my, my heart wants me to pick, pick the Bonnies. I feel uncomfortable picking against this team right now because, again, even though they're not playing great basketball, they just have this way in the second half like they did today. They had no business beating Clemson today. They really didn't. And they just found a way. They shot 14 to 24 for three and won it. But to me right now, Marquette is playing with just tremendous confidence and it just feels like someone is stepping up every single night. You know, the last few days it's been Jones. They find a way to win this game with their defense and with their, you know, with their guards stepping up and making plays when it matters. I really like Kirk Weth in this game. I think he makes an impact against Oceanee. I think Justin Lewis fits in this matchup as well. Look, um, Kyle Lofton should be the best guard on the floor in this game. This is his big time moment. He's got to play big. Holmes has to play well. But to me, if Tyler Kolek is in a rhythm, you know Daryl Morsell right now, the way he's playing, guys, without saying it blatantly, he basically said it this past week that Shaka Smart has opened up his mind to a whole different dimension to the offensive skill set than what he had at Marquette. He's benefiting. He looks like a killer. Marquette can beat you in different ways. They're a defensive team, too. They never stop defending. They're riding a high. During Feast Week, a lot like during the NCAA tournament, you know why we love Feast Week? We love Feast Week because you can get a team that starts almost having an out-of-body experience with the basketball that they're playing because you're getting up and just playing. There's not – I mean, I go to these shoot-arounds. Like, this time of year, when you're playing back-to-back days – Please do not tell me that the scout that you're going through at 8 a.m. getting ready for a game in Las Vegas, that it really is the difference maker. Play, got, dude's got a ball. And right now, Marquette's hooping. They're the better team right now. They're in a better position. I like the Golden Eagles in this game, too. And I think the line should be around to pick them on Sunday. I really do believe that. It, Ken Palm has it as minus five for St. Bonaventure. Well, that I, is ridiculous. Yeah. Like I can't if if Marquette's an underdog again, like I I just can't see that being a thing. Like I think it's got to be like a Pickham or a Bonnie's minus one maybe. Yeah, but, if, I don't you like know. That. That's a terrible idea. If, if it's that close, I'll pop in Bet Rivers. That's I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mask mandating that Ken Palm line. <laughs> I mean, horrible. That's a terrible line. Minus five. Go ahead and pound that at your local at Bet Rivers. 
And that's, uh, we want to remind you, we are presented by the folks at Bet Rivers tonight. Bet Rivers, the best for your bets. All right, let's turn to tomorrow. Um, so Mohegan Sun, uh, these games are on ESPN News, which I haven't watched since Michael Kim was an anchor doing updates. Uh, Villanova's going to take on Tennessee. North Carolina's going to take on Purdue. So I ask you, Kevin, better game. I think North Carolina Purdue is the better game because we have more to learn about these teams, right? I think you know, there's going to be a lot of fun in Villanova Tennessee. You've got the point guard battle, things like that. But for me, as someone who still wants to figure out some of these teams and feel them out, North Carolina Purdue to me re- really, really is going to teach me a lot about where, where these two teams are at. And also, I love a battle of, of great front courts, and this certainly you know qualifies as that with Baycott. Uh, Garcia and Manic on one side for North Carolina, and then on Purdue side, obviously Edie and Travion Williams and Caleb first. I mean, these two teams are going to battle it out uh, on the boards. They're going to battle it out on the interior, and whoever's guards come away and, and find a way to go make plays will we'll win it. And I think that's why you lean Purdue because you trust Jaden Ivey a little bit more. But remember, this is the first big test of Jaden Ivey as a sophomore. We saw the first big test for Andre Curbelo, the uh, the fellow breakout candidate in the Big Ten, not go so well. How does he handle? what will be a raucous environment and a sold-out crowd at Mohegan. I'm very excited to see how Jaden Ivey plays this ballgame. Yeah, and Ivy, like, I'm a big Jaden Ivey guy, and he has not been good in two of the three games this season. He was good in one of them. The other two, he was not very good. He's only shooting 25% from deep still this season. Didn't shoot it very well at the U19. Didn't shoot it well last year. Shows flashes. He could hit a nice step-back jumper, but he's got to have better shot selection and got to knock down more threes. Okay, let's talk about Villanova and Tennessee. Uh, so, this is interesting. Tennessee is actually tops in college basketball thus far in offensive rebounding with 42 through their first two games. Now, look, this will be a level up tomorrow, but that is interesting to me because the key question to ask for Villanova is what happens with their interior play? Uh, and, and the answer to the question last week was, look, Eric Dixon's just got to play bigger than he is. He's got to be their five man. And, and for those who say, well, Villanova is oriented with small ball. Folks, here's the thing. They won national championships with Omari Spellman, who got drafted, uh, and Daniel Sheffu, who was just a steady big man. He's up there there. on my poster. Yeah, there you go. On my uh, magazine. (laughs) There you go. Is that off balance? Yeah, it is. Uh, That's just kind of how it's going to be for now. (laughs) I have to fix it. (laughs) Okay. Shout out yeah. Sports Illustrated. Shout out Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Company man right here. Company man. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, like, for me, um, I'm really curious. First off, for Kennedy Chandler, in a game like this, on a stage like this, he's looked great. He's looked great. He's, he's been an electrifying presence thus far. Um, playing Villanova is a different monster because you know when you're playing Villanova, their attention to detail is so difficult to prepare for but I, I think that Tennessee's size can cause some issues for Villanova in this game their ability to rebound the basketball and I really do think that again the key to this game is whether or not Tennessee's length defensively can get out on Villanova on the perimeter because that's what's going to decide most games that Villanova plays if you allow Gillespie to swirl his way into the lane and find Justin Moore find Jermaine Samuels 
Villanova's going to get going, and they'll eventually pick up the stops. You know, um, I, I thought that when they went on their little run against UCLA, UCLA was a little off kilter. It was the first week of the season. Maybe that's partially it. But I thought Villanova defended better in that game throughout some periods than they had all the previous season. They, they Villanova was not a great defensive basketball team last year. They actually had some issues. So I, I think that Tennessee, and if they can stay on the glass in this game, I'm really curious to see how Villanova handles that in this one. Um, and then just the dynamic of Kennedy Chandler and um, and Colin Gillespie in this game, like what happens when these two meet and, and, and who's made for this moment more? Yeah, I mean, I think – one of the things I'll note with Tennessee, the reason why they've been so good on the glass so far, it's not that they have incredible size. I mean, they have, you know, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, you know, up front, but what they've done really well is they're sending bodies to the glass and they're sending athletes to the glass and they're committing to it. And, and for Villanova, I think that's going to be something that they're going to have to do all year long is, you know, the Justin Moores and the Brandon Slaters are going to have to really commit to going downhill and banging with the big boys down there to go rebound the basketball. And today will be a really good limits test for that because look, in, in, come, come big East time, Seton Hall and UConn, those are some big guys. Those are some, and again, those are physical dudes. We're going to get downhill and try to rebound the basketball. So I think this will be a good, good test for Villanova in that sense. Like, 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 like you alluded to Fanta. I mean, the point guard battle is going to be terrific and seeing how Chandler in his first, you know, huge test as a, as a collegiate player deals with a, a, a KG veteran like Gillespie. You know, that should be fun. I'll shout out one name that, that hasn't gotten a lot of love from for, for Tennessee, and they're so deep. Olivier Kamua, the junior. He's 6'8". He's a forward. And this is a guy who was a late stock rising recruit, played a little as a freshman, was not really in the mix as a sophomore. He's been huge for them on the glass. He's been huge for them around the basket. He's stretching the floor. He's blocking shots. His breakout year could make this Tennessee team a top 10 caliber team. I think everybody expected that guy to be Huntley Hatfield, too, this year, the five-star recruit reclass, but Camwell's been fantastic. Yeah, he has been. And I'll tell you what, this is a guy that now, as a junior, year three, there was an open door. You got to step in. And when you're under Rick Barnes, that's that's what he's made a living off of, is being able to, hey, it's your time now. And that that's what he's done for them. So I, I agree with you. Olivier Kumwa is He's a big-time player in this game if Tennessee's going to win this basketball game. And then I also think that John Fulkerson, who's averaging 10 boards a game, you look at Kumwa and Fulkerson, and they're averaging a combined 21 boards a game through a couple of games on the season, and you could say, oh, look who they're playing. But for me, Tennessee's ability there to send those guys, Fulkerson at 6'9", Kumwa at 6'8", the fact is Villanova doesn't have a 6'10", 6'11 guy to begin with. So this matchup, Tennessee should be able to do those types of things. I think the other key is when Kennedy Chandler comes into this program, the thought in mind with Tennessee is that Santiago Vescovi will automatically benefit off the ball, catch and shoot, as important as Justin Moore is to Villanova's ceiling, to me is is what Vescovi is to Tennessee's ceiling. Because if he's hitting shots off of uh, Chandler's dribbles, then that's going to open it up for Tennessee offensively and give them that other dimension on top of having a five-star lead guard. Yeah, Chandler is an awesome creator for himself and for others. Viscovi wasn't really that. 
and you saw that the past couple of seasons came in midway through two years ago, played last year, and it was clear that they were lacking a true playmaking point guard. But Viscovi's really thrived in the catch-and-shoot kind of role. And another guy you could look at who could also play some point occasionally, and he can really shoot the basketball, is Justin Powell, the transfer from Auburn. He was great when he played last year, had a concussion that sidelined him for like the final two months of the year. But this is a guy that was one of the top transfers available. Everybody wanted this guy, and he's been solid, but I think this could be the kind of game where Justin Powell really makes a name for himself at Tennessee. I think Villanova is going to come out and they're going to use that, that zone pressure with Slater at the top of it. That was successful at times against UCLA that I think will be really critical to their defense all year long. I think they're going to throw that at Chandler right away and see how he deals with the length and the physicality of a guy like Slater, right at the point of attack, how he handles that, I think decides this game. Mm. Tennessee's offensive rebounding percentage through two games 48.3%. That is third highest in America. And and again, if there's a way that you beat Villanova, you're not beating them at at their own game. You've got to beat them by saying, we're going to defend you. We're going to muck it up. We're going to make you work for what you get. And we're going to have more bodies at the rim. And we're going to have more depth. You know that, but it's hard. It's hard. UCLA did it. You know why? UCLA made the final four last year and showed it. Uh, I like Villanova in this game. I think it's a real competitive game, Uh, but I I like the cats to get by Tennessee. Um, And I am going to pick Purdue over North Carolina for the reasons that you list. And also I think Purdue Carolina last, like the one thing that they did have going for them. And the one thing that they still have going for them is the size factor and is the depth in size. Guess what? Purdue, Purdue size is better, and their strength and size is better. I actually think Purdue matches up really, really well with North Carolina, uh, and I like the Boilers on this day, and I, I think that Jaden Ivey is able to, to perform well. I, I like Purdue. That's where I lean. Yeah, same. I think North Carolina's defense uh, has just been a complete mess this year. The ratings are bad. They allowed 80 points against Charleston, who, you know, it's a new team. They haven't played together a ton. They were on the road. That's fine. But they allowed 87 points to Brown at home. You just can't do that. That's that's a bad defensive performance. They've been much better offensively. They run a much different scheme under Hubert Davis. He wants to shoot the ball more. He has four guys on the floor who he can shoot. He's not clogging the lane with Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott together, neither of which can make a shot outside of like seven feet. So you're able to create more space inside. Caleb Love can drive and create a little bit, get get to some uh, shots on the corner for some shooters. But, you know, the defense is a real problem for me. And right now, Purdue's the second-best offensive team in the country in Ken Palm's metrics. I think this could be a big Jaden Ivey game. But even if it's not, nobody can really stop Zach Eady. And if they stop Zach Eady, well, here's Travion Williams, who's a preseason All-American. So Purdue's my pick there. Yeah, I'll, I'll join you guys in taking Purdue. I think I think it'll be a closer game than I think you might be alluding to, Sean. I think, you know, I think Davis and Caleb Love are going to come out really energized in this game. And I think, you know, Carolina is going to find a way to hit enough outside shots to, to hang around in addition to you know, their front court being as good of a neutralizer for Purdue as there probably is. But I think Purdue has a little bit too much on the interior. And I think as long as Ivy doesn't turn it over too much, I think they win this game. And then my pick of the first game, I think Tennessee actually finds a way and beats Villanova with this with this young group. I'm, I'm a believer early in the Vols. I'm, I'm going Nova. I guess I didn't say that, but I'm going Nova. All right. Hey, 
Nova Purdue and the contrasting style of the front court in that game uh, would be just interesting to see what Villanova does against Purdue. And a couple of years ago, Purdue really, they torched Villanova in Hartford in the NCAA tournament. It's rare to see them get blown out. Either way, we could get a, a rematch because there's that, that terrific uh, Tennessee-Purdue game in the NCAA tournament 2019. So. Yeah. Yeah, and if you get Villanova Carolina, you get the 2016 national title game. Fantastic. Incredible. The, po- the poster again. There you go. It's a great – it is a great field. It's a great field. This is a terrific event. Um, I almost wish it didn't fall on a fall Saturday and football Sunday because it is such a good event, but that we digress. Let's, let's look at Feast Week here, okay? And let's go to Maui uh, – no, let's go to Vegas because that's where the Maui Invitational will be. Uh, these eight teams here, you've got Texas A&M facing Wisconsin. You've got, I mean, for the offensive product of that game, it might be a little bit offensive. Take that, the under. That game's at 9 a.m. Well, at 9 a.m., it would have been Hawaii time. Thank God it's not. Thank God that game's not being played in the, that early in the morning in Hawaii. You've got Butler, Houston, Oregon, Chaminade. And then the nightcap on uh, uh, this upcoming week is going to be St. Mary's and Notre Dame. That is on Monday. St. Mary's, Notre Dame. I'd be curious to see what happens in that game. Um, what what intrigues you about the Maui Invitational, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'll be in Vegas. I fly in Monday morning. Uh, and it should get to see all these games. I think, obviously, a lot of people will look ahead and say, you know, Houston and Oregon and that potential meetup. We've you know seen Oregon be very, very good when they blew out SMU and very, very bad when they got blown up by BYU. So I think uh, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued to see Houston, but I also think this, this kind of three through three through six, three through seven, if you include Butler in this, there are all these teams that have NCAA tournament aspirations and they haven't necessarily done anything to build a resume yet. This tournament has always been a fantastic opportunity to do that. It's a huge stage. You're playing against other teams that are in that, in that same kind of mix, you know, these teams have a lot to prove. So I think there's going to be a great energy to it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Wisconsin who, you know, with the freshman point guard, Chucky Hepburn is going to go through some growing pains, but I think is starting to make some progress even early on, you know, an A&M team that's, that's young with Henry Coleman, the transfer from Duke and Marcus Williams, the transfer from Wyoming, you know, you've got all these teams with, with so much to prove. And then this, monster Houston team that just continues to pound you on the glass. I think Houston's the favorite to win this thing, but really just excited to see how some of these teams in the middle teach us who they are in the next, uh, next three, three to six days. Cause it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Houston. I mean, they were so impressive against Virginia and given Virginia's offense isn't very good, but I think part of that was just how good Houston's defense was. And there might not be like, nah. I'm not going to say it's the best shooting duo in the country, but it's one of the five best of having Marcus Sasser and Kyler Edwards. Kyler Edwards is absolutely going to kill it in this system because of the amount of offensive rebounds they get. He's going to get some wide-open second-chance three-pointers, and it's going to be very good for Kyler Edwards. He's going to be one of the top players in the American this season. And then Taze Moore, the transfer from Cal State Bakersfield, really good athlete, like fantastic, great defender, fits what they do perfectly. He's like the Dejan Giroux of this team, just not as good offensively but a great defender, very athletic. He's going to be a very, very good piece for them in this Maui Invitational. St. Mary's is a team I'm interested to see what they end up looking like. Their shooting's been a bit up and down this year, but they're really experienced, and they have one of the best coaches in college basketball. You know, I I like St. Mary's over Notre Dame, potentially. Um, Notre Dame just can't defend anything. So, yeah, I'm taking St. Mary's. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Randy Bennett and the Gales get this done here after dark. I, I look at Notre Dame in their most recent game against High Point. They only played seven players. You know, they, they shot six for 31 from three-point territory. Six for 31. Has, has Cormac Ryan just not – is it a type of deal not panning out? No, not I, – I mean, you can swing to Kevin on this one. I'm sure he has plenty to say. I, I don't have much to say on Cormac Ryan. I mean, look, I will say this. You know, it's, it's a critical game for both teams because of what it sets up for you down the line. I think, you know, when you think about matchups, right – if you lose this game, you're playing Chaminade in your second game. No offense to Chaminade, but Chaminade is a Division II team. That doesn't provide you anything from a resume building standpoint. So when we're talking about two teams in the same areas in Notre Dame that theoretically will be around the bubble. I think I had Notre Dame in the 50s and same areas in the 60s in my preseason rankings. You know, the opportunity to go play Oregon in game two, assuming, of course, that Oregon gets past Chaminade, which will, for the purposes of the conversation, we'll say happens, you know, the just winning this first game obviously it's a good win but the opportunity presents is almost more important than the game itself i think it's gonna be a great game i think two two teams that are are very different both teams want to grind out the pace but i think really st mary's because of its defense and notre dame because of its offense uh, i i think it's gonna be a fantastic game and and certainly a huge one implications wise yeah houston getting butler butler uh, a disappointing loss and now you've got bryce enzi Lost to Michigan State, not not just the fact that they lost, the fact that they really got run off their, their own floor was their worst loss at Hinkle Fieldhouse in seven years. And now you have Bryce Enzi, who's a glue guy defensively with a labrum injury. We'll see if he plays through it or not. Um, the, the backcourt really didn't have much in sync. It was Aaron Thompson's first game, and frankly, that didn't, that didn't work out well. Um, and for the Bulldogs, a team that last year was offensively limited again against Michigan State, and they didn't, their defense didn't make up for it, you know, in that game. So Houston should be able to, you look at what their path is. The fact of the matter is this, if Houston plays the level that they're capable of, they are winning the Maui Jim Maui Invitational next week. The magic of feast week is you never know. You, you don't know what can happen. And look, Butler's still a team that kind of can hang in when you least expect them to although we didn't see that element come out of them against Michigan State. I thought they made Michigan State's offense look as good as it has in a while. Yeah, I mean, their defense hasn't been great. They've turned the ball over far too much this season. That's been one of their bigger issues, just turning it over way too much. Maybe having Aaron Thompson helps it a little bit, but there's just not a ton there offensively. And in that first-round matchup against Houston, they just don't have the size to stay with Houston on the offensive glass. You have three big dudes for Houston. Reggie Chaney, who came in from Arkansas a couple of years ago. Fabian White, who's been there forever. And Josh Carlton coming in from UConn. These are all really experienced players that are going to not put up a ton of points, but they're going to get five or six rebounds each. And they're going to create second-chance opportunities, which is always what Houston hangs their hat on. They want to get those second-chance opportunities. They want to get a good look from three while all the players are down there near the lane trying to get the rebound. They're going to hit Kyler Edwards for a three wide open. That's what Houston does. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they should run through this. Like Houston should get to the championship game without a problem and really should win this tournament. And if they do, it's going to be a top-10 Houston Cougar team entering December. And – a good reminder that uh, we should not ever doubt Kelvin Sampson. Never. Can't do it. An elite, elite basketball coach.
lost his three best players pretty much. I mean, I guess you can put Sasser in the top three, but three of his four at the very at the very least, Gorham, Jarreau, uh, and Gre- and uh, Grimes. You lost three of your best players from a team that went to the Final Four, and you can get there again this year. I mean, that's how good this team is. It's just incredible what Kelvin Sampson's doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's shift gears here to battle for Atlantis. So, as I open up my notes here, I've watched Wendell Green Jr., Katie Johnson, and Auburn tonight. Okay. <laughs> I watched them play USF. And I got to tell you, I'm on the DTF pod with Terrence Oglesby and Rob Doster, and they're going through Final Four sleepers in the preseason. And I heard time and again that the Auburn Tigers are the are the final four sleeper team and i will be I, I will be fully bullish on this and i will say this until the 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 cock crows i don't think that there's a national champion in the southeastern conference this season however i think the southeastern conference has a chance to be an elite league to be a top three league in college basketball throughout the season because i think the depth at the top it's a, it's a league with a lot of top seven or eight to 25 teams. I'm not sure if there's a top four team in this conference. And I certainly don't think it's Auburn after what I watched tonight. Guys, They I thought they looked disjointed against USF. They kind of looked like it was not cohesive basketball. It was some drive and kick late, but just disheveled is the way I would describe it. Maybe it was going down to Tampa, kind of a weird arena. You're playing at uh, Amelie Arena down there in Tampa. You're playing South Florida. I'm trying to wonder why Auburn scheduled this game. Uh, but, God, I, I, am I is it just me or I was not impressed with Auburn at all? No, I wasn't either from the portion I watched. But one thing I kind of try to remember when looking at Auburn early in the season is that their best player is still her, Alan Flanagan. We don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back because it's an Achilles injury, and we don't know when he's going to come back. So there's a lot of questions there. If Alan Flanagan comes back, which it sounds like he will, then I expect Auburn to be pretty good. But what does Alan Flanagan look like when he comes back after being out for so long? That takes time. And is he going to have enough time to get back to full potential NBA first-round pick form uh, at the time he comes back in the season? Because if it's like January, February, there's not that much time to go. There's only a couple months, and it takes time to get going. But the guards, they're all transfers with Green, Jasper, who's more of a defensive guy, and Katie Johnson, who's more of a shooter. They're going to need Wendell Green to play a big role in whatever they do this season because he's the playmaker. All right. Uh, Kevin, here we go. Michigan State, Loyola, Chicago. Rapid fire here. We're going to go through the battle for Atlantis. Michigan State, Loyola, Chicago. Who you got? Give me the Ramblers, baby. I'm, I'm a homer. But I, I think Loyola, with this faster-paced offense, is going to cause some problems. We know they will guard you. Drew Valentine, I think, has them playing at a high level. They can, you know, they're can. they an old team. Michigan State's still finding who they are. Loyola has an identity. I think they win this game. All right, Auburn-UConn. Who wins? I'll take uh, UConn. This defense is tough. And Auburn, again, not no point guard, no confidence right now for the Tigers. UConn Loyola, then in the semis. U- UConn, a little too athletic, a little too, uh, a little too talented. They overwhelm the, the Ramblers. Okay, so UConn makes a championship on the top side. Syracuse VCU, I like the orange here, no doubt, right? Yeah, I mean, as, lo- as long as Syracuse doesn't put up a stinker shooting the ball, they should win this game just because VCU's offense is not, not good enough to win this game. Baylor, Arizona State, are we all on Baylor? Yeah, love this Baylor team. Right oh, now. yeah. 
All right, Baylor, Syracuse. Give me the Bears. They might just Kendall, Kendall Brown in that zone, top of the two three. I think he could make make an impact offensively at the high post. So that means I think all three of us have a UConn Baylor final in this field. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, high level, uh, physicality, interesting tests between you've got James Akinjo on one side and you've got R.J. Cole on the other, and Jalen Gaffney, who has surprisingly shot the ball well. You know, UConn and Baylor, to me, is the opportunity for Adama Sonogo on the big stage to become the national presence. I I think he gets discussed nationally, but this could take him to another level. This could, there's belief that Adama Sonogo could be an All-American type of player. He's got two 20-point performances already this season, a couple of double-doubles. He's led UConn two on their first three games. Um, and, and looks the part of a big-time player. For me, the, the, the thing with UConn is this. Are they hitting perimeter shots? Andre Jackson starting to do that the other night. Like, he didn't do that all his freshman year. UConn hasn't played anybody yet. Um, I would say Baylor probably gets favored in this game. But, man, I think it's – what a final that would be if we get Connecticut and Baylor. You want to talk about a, a fist fight. Right? I, I think – I think I'd pick Baylor to win it probably just because they've had a lot of guys that have played in big games. That's a big part of it. Matthew Meyer, big role from a national title team. Adam Flagler, big role from a national title team. Jonathan Chamwa Chachua, Flo Thamba down low. They will be, the, like you said, Adama Sinogo, he could have a big game. Jonathan Chamwa Chachua and Flo Thamba are going to have to play really good defense inside against Sinogo. they got to stay out of foul trouble. But you also have Kendall Brown, like Sweeney said. He's a really good player. He's been very impressive early on this year. There's a lot on this Baylor team. They lost their guys from last year. But the good thing is you brought in a lot of freshman talent, even though Langston Love, unfortunately, tore his ACL. But you have a Kinjo, too. There's a lot of talent here. And I'm, I'd am lean Baylor. I'm just, I, I, I've been a little more in on UConn seeing them play this year. Their offenses look better than I had imagined. A big part of that is Sunogo. But can Jackson hit shots? Uh, what's Tyler Pauly going to look like? He's kind of been a guy that's been streaky throughout his career. Which Tyler Pauly are you going to get? And how does RJ Cole do in this kind of matchup against some really good Baylor guards? I think Baylor's guards are the difference in this game because of their ball pressure on defense. I think they'd be really disruptive to what UConn does. I think it's a different type of test than the UConn guards have dealt with this season. I think Baylor will force turnovers. So in this hypothetical matchup, I, I just think Baylor's you know slightly better team. They have the bodies to send at Sonogo and, the depth to, to hang with this deep UConn front court. This would be a whale of a ball game. It would be a fist fight, certainly. I mean, coming away with some some bruises when you play in this ball game. Uh, but I think I think Baylor's the favorite to win this tournament. I, I've been really impressed. You said you've been impressed with, with UConn, Sean. I've been really impressed with Baylor. And, and again, by games, they haven't really had to prove it yet. But they have not missed a beat. Uh, from offseason impressed by both for sure I was just lower on UConn yeah yeah I was just way too low on UConn I'm wrong there for sure (laughs) I just wasn't high don't admit you're wrong to Sweeney (laughs) hey hey it happens you know that that's the thing about being wrong and right you're probably gonna be like you're gonna be wrong a lot but you know when you're wrong you gotta admit you're wrong like Memphis last year not a top 10 team I was very incorrect (laughs) on that so that was a year early uh, okay, here we go now. We're at 11.54, so quickly. We're going to get to tip-ins in a second. But the rest of the Feast Week tournaments are these. 
Uh, Fort Myers tip-off, Seton Hall and Ohio State, Florida and Cal. Um, who do you have winning that? Florida for for me. Uh, just the defense is going to be – I think they'll play Seton Hall. A lot of defense there, but Anthony DeRuji and Colin Castleton have been awesome. Florida for me. I'm disappointed because I thought I was going to have the hot take of Florida winning it. Now it's no longer hot. So I'm going to flip and say Seton Hall wins this thing. Wow, okay. okay. Five at the Big East and John Fanta. Yeah, you know, I – I think that, that Seton Hall, Florida would be a great final. Uh, they met a couple years ago at the Advocare. One, two possession game, Florida came away with it. It would be a, a, a really intriguing championship game. Um, I'll lean with the Hall, if that's what it is. I, I'll lean with the Pirates in that game. Um, Legends Classic um, is, is Providence Northwestern, Virginia, Georgia. Uh, you've, got, uh, <laughs> you've got the uh, NIT tip-off. NIT tip-off is Memphis, Virginia Tech, and Xavier, Iowa State. Uh, you got a couple others sprinkled in as well. Anything that, that really intrigues you guys during Feast Week, like the, going into it that people should have their eyes on uh, beyond the Fort Myers tip-off alternate bracket? John Paul, what, what else are you looking at, Kevin? I'll toss in uh, the Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City sure. with the potential for a final of – Arkansas versus Illinois. That could be a lot of fun with Illinois getting Kofi back. Yeah, def- definitely not the Legends Classic. Uh, is, is that's the one you said with Providence and Northwestern. Yeah. And We're covering that on Monday. North- Northwestern. I will not undefe- be watching. Northwestern is undefeated since they gave me a degree, so I think it's uh, that's true. I think that's it's, true. It's, it's 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 prophecy. They're going to figure. Hey, it out. a little Jabri Abdurrahim going to go off? I don't know. We'll see. Don't slander Newark, New Jersey, hosting an MTE. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to hear it right now. I'm slandering Virginia's inability to score in Georgia just as a whole. Like, they just can't really – they're not very good, so. Tippins, Tippins. Sean Paul, through two weeks of the college basketball season, who's the best mid-major player in the country that nobody's talking about? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Ugh. Um, Wow, you got me on the spot. That's a tough one that nobody knows about. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to go with a freshman. I'm going to go with Houston Millette from Pepperdine. Some people <laughs> might know him a little bit as, as a recruit. As, you know, you're laughing. Some might know him as a recruit. I'm, Even, not, I'm laughing because Sweeney's laughing. He, he was originally committed to Penn State. They could probably use him right now. Uh, and he was a three-star recruit, but he's been one of the top ten scoring freshmen in the country. Lights out shooter, combo guard. He's going to be the next star at Pepperdine. Been super impressed by him. Pepperdine's going to be down this year, but Houston Millette and Mike Mitchell Jr. is going to lead them to some pretty good seasons in the next few years. I had, I had money on the fact that you were going to say Baylor Shireman. Uh, I, people know who that is. He's been on some NBA radars. Yeah, come on, man. Oh, well. Got to know Baylor Shireman. Best headband game in, the, in college basketball. Uh, Kevin? UNLV, Michigan. We continue our tippings. The line is hovering around 12. Does Michigan cover? Yeah, I think they cover. I think UNLV is a train wreck on offense right now. I'm a big believer in what they're doing in recruiting, but they just aren't, you know, they, they aren't together yet on offense, and that's a bad recipe against a Michigan team that is very athletic and uh, runs great stuff on the offensive end. Sean. Tippins continues. Mid-major bowl today. It was in Vermont. Uh, the favorite in the America East against the favorite in the Ivy League, Yale. Vermont wins this game 61-53. to It was not pretty. 
Um, the two teams shot below 20% from beyond the arc, but Ryan Davis has 18 and nine. So I ask you, Sean, which of these teams, it's only November, which of these teams would you trust more in a March game as a 14 to pull it off, to pull off an upset long-term? I think Yale works better in a NCAA tournament setting because of their shooting ability. That's really what they do well. They didn't do it well against Seton Hall, that's for sure. But they usually do that well. They didn't do it well against Vermont either. But Azar Swain, super experienced. He's played in the tournament, knockdown shooter. Matt Cotton can really shoot the ball. And they have a really good defender, Jalen Gabadon. So if they're able to hit shots in an NCAA tournament game, we saw what Oral Roberts did last year. They don't quite have that kind of shooting, but they have two elite shooters. So that could catapult them into an NCAA tournament win. Kevin, the program slash coach that needs to make something happen during turkey week how about uh how about chris collins at north i knew he was gonna say i knew it <laughs> good opportunity for them you know this is a winnable mte for them you know they 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 need some wins to prove it they're 4-0 we've got john rostein tweeting about happy hours in wrigleyville i mean look if they win this tournament the talk about the NCAA tournament will start to heat up i'll say that. What, what if they lose to georgia it would be it would be bad, and it would it would I, I would see out Chris Collins the pioneer, and we would have jokes again about how Northwestern's underwhelming, and we'd start planning our Wrigleyville happy hour. So either way, it's a win. I think it's just as big for Providence and Ed Cooley. Absolutely, I think that's Absolutely. a big game Monday night, folks. It's it's after nine o'clock. Put your big boy pants on and come on out to Newark, Providence and Northwestern. This event was supposed to be at the Garden. I think Providence was supposed to play Gonzaga. I think UCLA and Gonzaga were going to be in this event. And that's wow, that, that turned. I mean, you get Virginia and Georgia instead. All right, uh, one more tip in here. Next week, the Thanksgiving side dish that always takes the top spot for you. What is it? I'm a green bean casserole, man. I will not be home for Thanksgiving. I'll be getting home from getting back from Vegas from a busy week of covering the game. So you can tweet me your pictures of Thanksgiving dinner. I'll be jealous, but green bean casserole for me. Always, always the choice. That's my answer too. I tried pointing at Sweeney on the camera. My hand didn't go high enough the first time. So I did it again, but he is correct. Green bean casserole is the answer. Just hand me a stick of slightly melted butter. That's been sitting out and put a basket of crescent rolls in front of me. Okay. Yeah, I, I could get down with that. Yeah. And I will end up like Chubman with McDonald's in Indiana. <laughs> that does it for us, for Kevin Sweeney and Sean Paul. Uh, we are done here with the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody, and enjoy Michigan and UNLV. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
MyPatriotSupply.com.